this is Desi and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today I have a special guest and his name is Caleb. I wanted to bring him on. He is the first male that I've had on my podcast and we are going to talk about mental health and kind of the whole stigma of males and how they deal with it. So Caleb, welcome to my podcast. Mm -hmm. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> Hope to see you again. Let's have you just start off by telling your story and okay. we can go from there. So my name's Caleb. And so when I was younger, my anxiety and all the stress happened when my parents got divorced in 2009, which was like made me very shocked because I didn't think that was going to happen. I, I guess I took life for granted at a very young age. So like when my parents broke up, we moved away, I had to live with my grandma when I was younger. And I don't know, being away from my dad and my mom and not being able to like know the stories between the two and having to pick, like I thought I had to pick someone. So I picked someone, mm-hmm. but then I don't know. It just Who did you end hurt. up living with? I ended up living with my mom. Okay, and that was in? 2010. I lived in Saratoga Springs for a little bit and then my mom met someone else. So we moved to Arizona. Okay. And we just put our family over there. So I didn't see my dad that much for a couple of years. It was stressful because my mom always worked. So it was just me and my brother, but we had to walk like two miles to school, two miles mm-hmm. back and in Arizona too. So it's like 120 oh degrees. Gosh, yeah. And then basically we just, I don't know, we loved our mom more than anything. So that's why we stayed and we had a good family bond. So we stayed over there and then getting to high school, I needed the dad figure in my life because mm-hmm. I, I like cars and stuff like that, but I wanted to expand my knowledge. So I moved here to be with my dad. How was that making that decision? Uh, It was sad. Yeah. I love crying. I was like, yeah, but I need to do this for myself. I just need to, I don't know, because I want to like... You knew what you needed. I know what I needed, yeah, because like I had my mom there and I got all the love and support, but then I needed like the dad figure just to like help me grow up, I guess, and learn things that I didn't know about cars and being a man. So I decided to move here in, yeah, freshman year. So I moved here. Life was going good, you know, helping my dad work on cars, doing, I don't know, boy stuff, hanging out with my friends. And then sophomore year, uh, I met this person and then it was going good. So we dated for probably till like senior year. Okay. And then kind of just all fell down because all the negativity, I guess, and like all the harm being said to me and stuff. Because she said things to you. Yeah. It's because okay. like, so she wanted to like focus on herself. So I was like, okay. And like kind of broke me, I guess. So I was sad. But then she started saying things like, just like to push me away, but it was like more deep. Mm-hmm. Really hurtful. Yeah. Like just super hurtful, hurtful words that no one should say to a, another person. Mm-hmm. and stuff that would like just like pull your heart out and stuff like that told you to do things that you shouldn't have had the thoughts about doing and then so that was continuous for like five or six months and I would just not really do anything wouldn't even hang out with friends I wouldn't go to any it's events happening. or anything like that so I just stay home and I just shut my door and I just like stay like sitting on the floor crying the whole time mm-hmm. what were your feelings like with her doing that was it like rejection did it just trigger things that you didn't know you had dealt with or was it things that she said that triggered things from your past it's kind of, well, I've always had anxiety since I was younger. Like I had, further go, like ulcers in my stomach because I had so much stress going on because okay. I was had so much anxiety and stuff like that. And I guess I just, it kind of went away, but then it all came back and... Overwhelming. Overwhelming, yeah. I don't know. Just like someone you care about and then they tell you all these things to do yourself, but you think yeah. I would do anything for this person. So then it kind of just breaks your heart and then like, you think it's going good and then you find out this, you find out that, and you're like, that kind of hurts. Right. And mm-hmm. it just kind of blew up at once. Yeah. And then just all the negativity coming towards your life when all you want to do is be happy, which is kind of 
kind of kind of sucks. Right. So when that happened, did you talk to your dad? Did you talk to anybody about what was happening, or did you just uh, kind of kept it all in? I kind of kept it all in. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want to seem like a baby, I mm-hmm. guess. Which like over time, they kind of noticed because I started being all um aw- not awkward, but just like not there. Like I just sit there at the dinner table and just like zone off and not really. Or like when they're hanging out, I just sit there and I don't really pay attention to what's going on. Or I just be in my room the whole time. Kind of just isolate yourself. Yeah. Would you say that you had depression? Do you think it was pretty bad? Or yeah. was it more just... It was bad because of the things that said to me. And then, like, all my friends, they were there, but some of them, most of them just, like, pushed me away. They're like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. Didn't distance themselves? Yeah. So tell me what happened, kind of the breaking point, when you ended up getting help. So I was at Caden's house, mm-hmm. my my sister and her husband's house, and then we were just hanging out, and then it just hit me out of nowhere, because I was just hanging out with them, and then more negativity started coming my way, I guess. Just bad thoughts in general. So just like things in your head. Things in my head, but she was also telling me. She was saying things. Things like, like I should hurt myself or something like that. Yeah, okay. So she was telling you to hurt yourself, and then she was bringing negativity, and then it was just in your head. Yeah, and then it just like hit me at once, and then I, I just told my friend I couldn't do it anymore. And she tech contacted my parents. The next morning I woke up and then they took me to uni. And I was there for about a week. So before you went to uni, what were the thoughts that were going through your head when you kind of, like you said, you were at Cadence and you had that breaking point? Would you say you had thoughts of hurting yourself? You got suicidal? Yeah. Because I remember you took off. Oh, yeah. And they couldn't find you. Can you kind of tell us about that? So I I wanted to clear my head, but then it turned out clearing my head for like 10 hours. Oh, it, was, it was a lost, long lost track of time. <laughs> so it was a long time, and I I don't know. I was just thinking, it just like I just drove forever. Like I drove all around Utah, not like far, but like just like in yeah. Utah Valley. I just drove around everywhere and just I don't know. Just I think my escape was listening to music, like and music in your car. Yeah, like the two things that I like are music and driving my car. So that it kind of helped me, but then not listening to the right songs, I guess, kind of breaks you down even more. So you just sitting right. there, and I just I drove around crying for like hours. And then finally, I guess, my dad called me. He's like, you need to get home. But then I kind of ignored him for like two hours after that. So then, so things went down. And I, so I decided something changed my mind. Like I was sitting there and I was just like, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. But like, I still felt all the depression and stuff like that. But I knew something was stopping me. So Mm -hmm. I decided to go back home. So when you were in that space for a minute before you stopped yourself, were you thinking about suicide? Were those Mm -hmm. kind of thoughts going through your head? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was just thinking of just, like, darting off the road. But then I was driving and something just changed my mind completely. Okay. So then you decided to come home. Mm. And what was your family's response before you went to uni? Were they like, we need to get help? Or what did they tell you? Um, They were all, yeah, they were all super cool about it. They all tried to help me and just be there for me, which is cool. Especially my mom and my dad and Ken and Bethany. They were all there. Mm-hmm. Trish trying to be there for me, hugging me. And they just showed a lot of love. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to fight him. I'm just going to get help. That's what I decided to do. So what, what, how was your experience in uni? Um, what was kind of the things that you learned? What did you think at first? Well, at first, I hated it, if I'm going to be completely honest. Because yeah. I did not want to be by myself. Yeah. Especially that. Like, that was probably the worst part. Treatment is one of those things where it's like, it's good, it's good to be there. But I remember also feeling my loneliness mm-hmm. because you're there completely by yourself. Yeah, like, I, like you don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty scary at first. Like I I like I was like accepted to go in there, but then like when my parents dropped me off, I was like uh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So when you went in there and kind of met your therapist and started the process, what did you figure out? What um, you were dealing with? Just that you can't let what other people say to you hurt you, and you need to realize your self-value, I guess. There's great things for everybody in that if you cut it off now, you're not going to be able to achieve the greatness that you can have. Mm-hmm. I also learned a Bible verse when I was over there. The One of the guys was like, 
he he saw that I had a Bible because my parents gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And I guess no one else there really had any Bibles or anything like that. So he's like, you should look up this verse. And I've kind of just kept the verse with me the whole time. What's the verse? It's Romans 5.3. Okay. There was a bunch of people there too. And it was more of like a family, I guess, because like everybody was super close and everybody's been through, has the same feelings as they've all been there. And the experience talking to everybody, it really, it actually really helped me. Mm-hmm. Like to think about it, like you can just full on talk. There's so many different people there to help you. Like everybody's there to support you so you can talk about all your problems to like anybody you want to yeah and then whole and probably it was nice to talk about all the things that you were holding in from when you were a kid mm-hmm. too like you know your parents got divorced and mm-hmm. all of that so was that kind of helpful to kind of bring everything to the surface mm-hmm. i was able to just like let it all go and and then it also helped because like the groups you just had to share your story with the group so you had to i don't know just like let everybody hear your story and they all um put in some words about how much they care about you and how much they, I don't know, just understand where you're coming from and how much they're there, which also helped a lot. I always like thought it was a really good experience. So I kind of want to go into more because with this, it being suicide awareness, I kind of want to talk about when those thoughts were going through your head, can you kind of explain like what those exact thoughts were in your head, the dark ones, and then describe what like changed it? Okay, so so the dark thoughts I had in my head is just, I wasn't good enough and there's like no point of being here. I don't know. I felt like I wasn't really making an impact on anybody. I, I really wasn't loved that much. So I was like, there's no point anyway, so I don't think it'd matter. Right. And I don't know, I just had my darkest time, and I, I didn't feel like telling anybody, because, like, I feel like a guy shouldn't be able to tell anybody, like, they're supposed to be a man. So I didn't really want to tell my dad or anybody like that, because, I don't know, I just felt like it made me look weaker than I already was. So I decided to hold it all in. And holding in emotions isn't that good, because... Right. But it helped when you let it go, but I needed someone to be there, but I just didn't ask anybody for help. You didn't know how to reach out. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the stigma of males not being able to ask for help because it's not strong or it's, you know, it's weak. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I've said this before. I think that asking for help is one of the bravest things because it takes a lot of courage to do so. It takes you out of your comfort zone. You have to talk to your parents. You have to be open to your family about things that you've been holding in this whole time. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's a really scary experience. When you decided to, you know, I'm not going to do it and to stay, what, do you remember what those thoughts were? Like what changed your mind? Because you said you felt something just like stop you. Can you describe that a little more? Uh, Probably my family. Like I thought about my little brother, my two other siblings, mm-hmm. Michael and Mia, my sister, my mom and my dad. I don't know. I, they're, they love me more than anything. And to hurt them, it, it would hurt me. So I was like, right. I want them to be happy and I want to try and help myself. At that point, did you know that you needed help before they even told you they were going to take you to uni? Mm-hmm. Were you like, I need help? I needed help, but I didn't want to, I don't want to get help. I just wanted to figure it out on my own. And I mm-hmm. tried like that for four months. You realized but, you couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it trying to help myself. I, I needed someone there. So when you talk to your parents, did you feel relief, like, when you released everything that you were holding in? Mm. Or was it more just scary? It was more scary than... Because I didn't really want to tell them everything because I felt like, I don't know, I just needed to talk to someone I didn't know. Right. kind of just, like, let all the feelings go so mm-hmm. I wouldn't... I don't know. So, yeah, I just... It helped me a little bit, but I didn't want to completely tell them the whole story because I feel like, I don't know, they just look at me different. So I didn't want to... Tell them all the details. Tell them all the details. And then when you went to the treatment and you told them all the details, do you remember kind of that feeling of relief that mm. you talked about it? Yeah, the first couple of times, it, like, the first day I got there, it scared the crap out of me because I was like, this is scary, but there was so many people there and I told them my story and they were all there. I don't know, just an amazing experience and I'm so glad I got help because if I didn't get help, 
I probably would have been stuck in the same spot for like months to come. Or not followed one of those, mm-hmm. you know, really quick bad thoughts. That's what's scary is people make those thoughts so quickly and irrationally without thinking of the future. And that was really great of you to think about your family, mm. think about the future. Because I think a lot of people in that state of mind just think of that moment mm. right then and, then and there. And they don't really sit in it and think about it before they make that decision. And so the fact that you did, I think, was really great. And that's what stopped you. And your higher power was like there, you know, helping you kind of make that decision to remind you that you were loved. Um, I know it took, it was really hard for your sister to kind of figure out how to help you, you know, and that's one of the things too, is I think a lot of times people know that other people are hurting, but nobody knows how to reach out and say anything. Mm. And so then nobody does. And then you're in this situation a couple months later and you just kind of hit your breaking point. But I kind of want to know where you're at now. Like after you got out of treatment, what are the things that you had to do and change your mindset and your like community and stuff like that to stay healthy? So when I got out, um, I don't want to sound like weird about this, but like I came out and I felt like a different person. Like it helped me a lot to just like, you know, it's time for me to change. It's time for me to do better with my life. And I don't need negative people that just keep bringing me down. So as soon as I got out, I went and I removed all the negative people out of my life. And I I just I started I started doing things I loved which is I like like when someone's going through a hard time I like talking to them and just like mm-hmm. helping them go through it and giving them um, advice because I was given advice so I like helping other people which, which helps me I guess like last week I helped someone out when they were going through a hard time and it really it like it helped me but it helped them at the same time so right those it helps things. you to help other people I think mm-hmm. and that's how it is with me even though I'm still healing mm-hmm. It's good to reach out and help other people mm-hmm. because it, it's kind of like, okay, well, I better follow my own advice. Mm-hmm. And then you give yourself advice. Mm-hmm. And then I also, I started, I don't know, like I didn't hang out with my friends that much. So I started just pushing myself to go out. I was like, okay, you need to go out, not have fun, but you need to just be with your be friends. Be social. <laughs> yeah. You need to just do it. Even though you just want to stay in bed and just watch Netflix, you need to right. go out, hang out with your friends. And you need to, I don't know, like for me, it's cars. Cars is like my love so like basically my car is like my best friend mm-hmm. you have a really <laughs> cool car too you have a mustang right yeah yeah so you're an awesome car so yeah. okay and what other coping have you learned any other coping skills like other than your car any yes. other like things that you have to kind of talk yourself into if you have those bad thoughts because i'm sure they still come up mm. and you have to remind yourself what do you do um so i listen to music but the music also kind of doesn't help like it helps but it's more like it just brings you down a little bit more i feel like if you think about it so what i do is when i'm feeling that i just put good thoughts in my brain and I'm just like, okay, Caleb, and I, I hype myself up. I make myself believe in myself so I can mm-hmm. do it. Like, I'm just in there and I feel like my chest just, just starts, like, caving in. You're like... That anxiety thing, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just give myself positive thoughts and I, I go do something. Like, I'll go wash my car and distract myself or I'll go hang out with my brother, my family, and just, just not focus on the negative thoughts because it's not good for anybody. Right. And do you talk to people about it now? Um, no. If it comes up? If it does come up, I'll tell someone about it, like, if I'm hurting, but I think I've gone to the point where... I'm able to just like deal with it yourself. Keep myself steady and streaming. But if I if I really do feel a low point, then I'll go tell somebody. But and that's good. You don't always have to be t- reaching out and telling people. But I think when you're in those dark places and mm-hmm. you feel that coming on is when to be honest and mm-hmm. tell and reach out to people that you trust. Mm-hmm. And it's it's never bad getting help because I'm so glad I got help. Well, good. And you said that you have other people. So are you more social? Like, have you made like new friends that are positive friends that kind of lift you up in those times? Mm-hmm. 
So I had a good group of friends, but most of them, I don't know, some of them just like didn't want to deal with it, so they cut me off. So I've had a couple of good friends still, and I and I talk to them, and I, I'll go over and hang out with them, and I don't know, feel like together, I guess. So my friends have always been there, and when I'm feeling down, I talk to them, and then they help me, and I don't know, it's just like, like some of my friends, I can talk to them, we can have a really deep conversation, just let all the feelings out. Yeah. And then be able to have that connection, which is, it's nice to have that, because then you feel accepted, and you feel loved, which is it's really nice. It's good to have those mm-hmm. that group of friends. Can you tell, if there's a young boy or something that's listening what are your kind of thoughts if they're dealing with this anxiety or depression what's some of the advice that you can give them that life is worth it and even though you, you feel like you can't keep pushing and you feel like it'd be better if you, you were gone that it's worth it and you can keep pushing because in the future there's something great for you even though you don't know what it is something will happen you'll change someone's life or you'll help just people in general and Life is worth fighting for, and everybody around you loves you. Even if you don't feel like anybody loves you, there's people that loves you. Mm-hmm. And life is worth it. That's great. And what about for negative relationships? Because your you know, relationship was pretty toxic. Mm-hmm. How have you kind of strayed from that and healed from that? I've mainly focused not to try to get into like another relationship. Morally, just have friends until you're like, until you're... St- you're healed enough to like be able to go into something like that and know that it's not going to hurt you and it's not going to be toxic and just being able to love yourself before you love anybody else. Yep, I think that's that's great because, I mean, you're so young and to know that it already is mm-hmm. really good because, you, again, you can't, if you're broken and still unhealed, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to go into a relationship and love somebody else. Yeah, and I had to I had to find that out the hard way because I heard a couple people when I was trying to like move on, but I was... For myself, I wasn't ready to move on. Mm-hmm. So I, I hurt some people on the way. Like, I had some relationships, but they didn't turn out that well because I was still thinking about someone else. And, like, you were still I was in just, an unhealthy place. Yeah, I just wasn't ready to go in, even though I should have, but just I wasn't ready. Yeah. So I've just decided to just hang out with my friends and just love myself until I'm 100% ready. That's good. No, I think that's great. Well, thanks, Caleb, for sharing your story. And You're I, welcome. Again, I think that statistically, males are the suicide rate is so much higher than females Mm -hmm. because of the stigma of I can't tell anybody because Mm -hmm. I'm weak and I'm the man and I'm supposed to be a man. I'm supposed to be strong. And so I've had a hard time finding males to come out and reach out and be able to talk about it because, you know, they're either embarrassed or whatever. And I've had you and a couple other men reach out to me recently. And I am just really excited to share this because, Mm -hmm. again, I want a young kid to hear this and be like, okay, it's okay to feel crappy Mm -hmm. and to ask for help. And it doesn't make me any less of a man. And if anybody needs help, they can shoot me a text and I'll be 100% there to help them because I know what it's like. And I want to prevent other people from harming themselves and being able to live life happily without anything dragging them down. So it's 100% here for you. So I hope you know that. Thank you, Caleb. You are so wise for a young for a young man and you're going to do great things and I'm super proud of you for where you are today. I actually wanted to go over a few of suicide facts. So first, I already told you guys that this month is National Suicide Prevention Month and we lose over 8,000 people per year to suicide. It is the leading cause of death for men under the age of 50. It is the 10th biggest cause of death worldwide. Two of the leading factors that contribute to the suicide is isolation and feeling like a burden. Just like Caleb said a few minutes ago is he felt like a burden. So that was, you know, he kind of felt like nobody loved him and felt like he wasn't needed. And that was not true. The desire for suicide, hopelessness, things will never get better. Those are the main four reasons why people commit suicide. 
Speaking up when suicidal isn't attention seeking. Mental health issues don't make you weak. Like I said earlier, I feel like they make you stronger for speaking up. So like I said, nearly 8,000 people in the world die of suicide each year. You guys, that's equivalent to one death every 40 seconds. Like that's insane to me. Teenage suicide. I'm going to give you guys some warning signs of things that you need to look for. So risk factors, mental health issues, psychological disorders, alcohol and drug use, insomnia, divorce, separation of parents, financial worries, moving home, bullying, struggling with sexual identity. You guys, those are huge, huge problems. Also family history. Like if there's a family history of SI, it most likely is a ripple effect. And if they know that they've lost people to suicide, it makes them more open for that as an option. Warning signs. So those what I just read you are risk factors. These are warning signs. Distancing themselves from family and friends, which like Caleb said he was doing, you know, distancing himself from his friends. That's a huge, huge sign. Talking about death or suicide, giving away special belongings to trusted people, lack of desire to partake in usual activities, giving hints or suggestions about not being around anymore. Symptoms of depression, which is like fatigue, change in appetite and weight, poor performance in school, feelings of guilt, irritability, anger, hopelessness. Um, that goes for adults too. You know, if you start noticing that they're more depressed, they don't want to leave, they don't want to go to work, their moods just change, their weight changes, it either fluctuates up or down. Um, changes in behavior, like I said, appetite and sleep are huge. Loss of interest and in personally in enjoyed activities that they normally enjoyed um those are huge signs because you know when somebody loves doing something like Caleb said working on cars and then all of a sudden not wanting to do anything with cars not wanting to do anything he enjoyed just wanted to stay home watch Netflix and literally do nothing that's a huge sign um increase in alcohol or drug use engaging in risky behavior where they don't really care or think about the consequences or inability to concentrate or think clearly suicide notes um suicide texts where they're not necessarily saying i'm suicidal but they're like i don't want to be here anymore i'm done you know i'd be better off dead you know things like that those are all huge huge signs of having thoughts about committing suicide. Here are some age disparities of facts that I wanted to let you guys know of. So one in 100,000 children ages 10 to 14 die by suicide each year. Seven in 100,000 youths ages 15 to 19 die of suicide each year. 12.7 in 100,000 young youths ages 20 to 24 die of suicide each year. Suicide is the fourth leading cause of death for adults ages 18 to 65. The highest increase in suicide is the males 50 or older, 30 per 100,000. Suicide rates for females are highest among those aged 45 to 54, 9 per 100,000. Suicide rates for males are highest among those aged 75 or older, 36 per 100,000. Suicide rates among the elderly are highest for those who are divorced or widowed. Um, also, sexual orientation or gender identity. Lesbian, gay, and bisexual kids are three times more likely than straight kids to attempt suicide at some point in their lives. 
medically serious attempts at suicide are four times more likely among the LGBTQ community, with the youth more than any other age. African American, Latino, Native American, and Asian American people who are part of the LGBT community attempt suicide at especially high rate. 41% of trans adults said that they have attempted suicide in one study. The same study found that 61% of trans people who were victims of physical assault had attempted suicide. LGBTQ young people who come from families that reject or do not accept them are over eight times more likely to attempt suicide than those families who do accept them. Each time an LGBTQ person is a victim of physical or verbal harassment or abuse, they become 2.5 times more likely to hurt themselves. These are, again, just some of the facts that are the truth about suicide. So the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also call the Utah Crisis Line at 801-587-3000. They also have a warm line, which is just for resources. If you just want to talk to somebody, you need someone to talk to, it is 801 801- Again, this is just kind of a resource if you don't have anyone to talk to and you really just need that support. Also, a you know, obviously a very famous foundation is American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Look at their website. There are resources. There are many different things that are on that website that can help you. Also, you can reach out to me anytime if you need support or resources. Follow my pages on Facebook or Instagram at Candle in a Dark Room. I love you all. And remember, you are enough. Talk to you guys soon.